Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Coming to you from the Baker Law Group, Studio 107, it's SOL. Live, raw, and uncensored with your host, Drew Baker. Shady that Baker, just happened. Matt Dixon, the Iron Man. And Kristen Camacho, the Enforcer. I didn't choose this. A podcast dedicated to protecting your rights by exploring the law, politics, and current events. You have the right to remain silent and listen or call in and become a part of the show. And now, here's your host, Shane and Bates. Let's start with masks. Let's start with masks. I'm asking each one of you, wherever you live in Ohio, whatever county, whatever the alert color of your county, to wear a mask every time you go out in public. I am not the mask police. I am not going to enforce any mask wearing. The only way to shop inside the black-owned store is to wear a mask. Um, we encouraged, we started out giving away masks to the customers, but then it became like a repeated thing. So we figured, well, we got masks that we can sell you. The majority of Middletown citizens are not in favor of the mask mandates. Caroline. She wants to say hi. She's with her new boyfriend. What's he like? He's nice. Bit of a close talker. A what? You'll see. Welcome to the SOL Podcast. I am your host, Shake and Bake. A little bonus feature, this was supposed to be season three, but we decided with everything going on, we wanted to move into a bonus round on season two. Last night, we heard from the governor, that was the intro of the show. Uh, Obviously, today's show is about masks, everything there is to know. Do they work? Do they not work? How do you wear them? How don't you wear them? We're going to cover all of that. We've got a special guest today, Matt. Christy Page. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait to hear uh, what she has to say about masks and, uh, you know, how to get trained on them, how to use them. Is it effective? All that kind of stuff. That's right. And and that was the Iron Man. I apologize for that lack of introduction today. That's okay. Can you down me just a little on the headphones? Thank you. All right. So um, we are going to cover a lot of topics. We won't waste a whole lot of time, but we are on Facebook Live. We will mix this down afterwards. And we'll make sure we get you a clean copy that you can listen to if you can't listen today live. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. We are pretty much everywhere. Thanks to our millions and millions of listeners. A quick plug, if you don't mind, get on our SOL podcast, whether it's Spotify or iTunes, and subscribe. That helps uh, us when it comes to finding out what content is relevant and what people want to hear. This is an exciting topic because... It's so relevant right now, and we want to just start by going through kind of an introduction of what did last night's address here in Ohio by Governor DeWine really cover? I think you've done some research on this. Is that not correct, Matt? I, I have. I've done some research just into the numbers, at least as as much as we can, and we just have to rely on what we're seeing. That's yeah. the problem with the numbers right. is we don't really know what the numbers mean because there's so many variables behind the numbers. But when well, I'm confused, I'm confused what to do and how to do it so much so that I've even given my microphone a mask just in case because I just 
I want it to be safe. You know, and I, I, I got to give you credit. Close to this mask. Yeah, I got to give you credit. My microphone mask is probably not doing a great job. And we can ask Christy about that when it's she comes on later. Yeah, it's a dangler. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that works well or if I spread it out, if that helps at all. But your mask, on the other hand, is very nicely done. Uh, it looks like it's been wrapped around the mic properly and doesn't seem to be affecting your sound too much here in the studio. No, today. no, it's pinched off at the nose too to just help keep in those droplets. So I'm not worried that this mask or that this microphone is going to spread anything today. But let's let's jump into the numbers real quick. Uh, All right. Governor sort of hit on this yesterday, and uh, this is from the Ohio Department of Health. So we're getting our numbers from them. Total number of cases in Ohio, and I think this is cumulative. What do you mean by that big word? Well, uh, you know, this says confirmed cases from day one, and this does not include people who are now recovered from it. Uh, So I think this is just confirmed reported cases from the time in which they started. So way back like in March when we started reporting these, we're not taking into account um, any recoveries or any any people. that, And we'll talk about the numbers too because some of these things I do know are being reported you could say it's it's purposefully, but it's just the guidelines that they're following. They're being reported multiple times for one person, and I do want to bring that up in a moment. But go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. No worries. So the confirmed cases in Ohio, 65,287. And then they have this um, this different grouping called CDC Expanded Case Definition. And, wow. and in parentheses okay. says probable cases. So not sure what that means. That's 4,024. Brings us to 69,311 total cases. Those are some confirmed, some probable. Um, not exactly sure what the probable ones are. Now, we have 9,209 hospitalizations in Ohio and then 2,819 confirmed deaths with another 256 probable deaths. Those come under that similar CDC expanded definition. Let's talk about that quickly. So the people that don't know what that is, we're aware of this just because of the fact that we do personal injury work here, obviously, and we read a lot of medical records and there are different codes for different types of diagnoses. And with those diagnoses, those codes are what helps both the billing department know uh, what type of issue it is. I guess it also helps with how they essentially organize the records and organize your past medical history. But my understanding of this expanded version of COVID or presumptive cases is there's one code that where they've done the test and they've been able to confirm a positive result for COVID. And then they do a different test, but it's not actually a test. It's more, uh, I would argue it's subjective. Maybe you could say it's objective because it's being done by a doctor, but it's a separate code that the doctor is using based upon the symptoms of the patient. So I go in, I've got a hard time breathing, shortness of breath, I've got a fever, I've got uh, flu-like symptoms, and then they presumptively, without actually doing the test, put me in the category of a positive COVID. Is that your understanding? It is. Um, That's my understanding. It's also my understanding that even with the test itself, the actual test, not the subjective, potentially subjective test, but you have an objective test where they test positive for COVID. It's not necessarily that they died of COVID. They may have no, also di- they may have right. died of a heart attack, absolutely, but happened to have also had COVID. So I'm I'm comfortable accepting the number as a confirmed case. Not comfortable 
accepting the number of death caused by. Right. And so that starts to get a little tricky. And again, this is all, it's just confusing because then yesterday I heard, I heard someone over the radio. She, she purported to be a billing coder. Right. In the state of Texas. Right. And she said that she was, she was coding some deaths from the hospital to send to billing as COVID related. But in the medical record, there's zero relationship to COVID for that actual patient who died. Yeah. And that's the problem with the numbers. And we don't want to die. I mean, this, we could do a three hour show on some of the differences and how we're coming up and what are the variables with these different numbers. One of the things though, that I think is absolutely true is you can't take the number at face value. There's more to it than what we're seeing. But outside of that, I'll ask Christy, I don't know. I'm not sure if there's other areas of medicine where they have these tests where you would have a diagnosis of something that did not come from an actual test, like some form of either imaging or blood work. Or Is there other coding out there like this where there's a presumption that they come up with? I don't know if there's an answer for that, but here's what I do know. What we're being told is not any real explanation because the number you gave earlier, I don't recall any definition of or, or defining the actual age group. There was none of that, right? No. No, they do give an age range. Okay. Which is less than one to 109. Well, that's a rather wide range, nah, I, think I would that's say. that's very specific. I mean, what the hell? Why, why can't we get numbers that just say, all right, this is from 70 to 80. This is from 60 to 70. Yeah. yeah. I, the, I don't understand that. Right. It where, can't. Those numbers the, exist. Right. Where are the deaths? Are they, you know, are they, is a substantial number of those in a 70 plus age group? Right. Uh, how many of those are affected with preexisting conditions that make it worse? And we all know that those are things that, that we look for, but there's no numbers related to that. So we're not seeing that. On top of that, apparently this is not a sexist virus. Um, in That's good the state news. Of Ohio. That's good news. Forty-nine percent male, fifty percent female. I guess one percent other. Um, Who's the other? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that this could be contracted by animals, right? I, I think, think we have think ruled that just, out. I think they're just saying about one percent of people did not report what sex they were. All right. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so anyway, those those are the numbers uh, that we're dealing with in Ohio. And again, I don't. Again, we've had 69,000 confirmed cases from the start, but I don't know how many we have today, active COVID cases that we have today. This does not tell us that. Sure. And there was a mention even by the governor that there's been more testing. And of course, that would raise the number. And then there's also been the reopen, which I would expect to see the number spike shortly after two weeks, three weeks after the reopen. Again, it, the confusing part about all this is you can manipulate, and maybe it's not purposeful, but data can be manipulated in many ways. And how it's fed to you is how you perceive it. And if you don't ask these other questions, you're, you're selling yourself short if you believe what you're being told. Because these things really do matter in terms of, are these people really dying of COVID or did they go in uh, for another heart attack or some other very serious issue medically, and they died from that. They just happened to have COVID. And that's that's where I just don't think we can take these numbers in any way, shape, or form at face value. you got to start asking questions. you got to do your own research. And that doesn't downplay the fact that the virus is real. I may have some of my own opinions about the timing and find them to be somewhat odd. but little re- suspect. little suspect. But regardless, the point of the matter is nobody is here anyway is going to say it's not a real virus or you don't need to be careful. And who wants to be sick? I don't want to be sick. 
right? I mean, we're not trying to get sick. Well, think- and I, you know, I'm around people from time to time that, you know, a lot of our clients are, are exactly risk category. So the, right. you know, we certainly don't want to be contracting the virus only to give it to somebody, you know, who we're trying to protect. Yeah. And we've made efforts here to change the way that we meet with clients, uh, the manner in which we communicate with clients to uh, do what we have to do and do our part in making sure that those clients are safe and that we're safe too. So speaking of clients, yeah. I'm going to throw down a disclaimer because it didn't happen early. You should. Remember, the views and opinions expressed on this show are meant for informational purposes only and are not to be construed as legal advice. There is no way in any way that we are creating an attorney-client relationship. Well, that takes us to something that is very important. I am not the mask police. I am not going to enforce any mask wearing. All right, this is about masks. That's what we brought the show in today with that topic, and we're going to stick to it. I appreciate the update on the numbers, Matt. That was helpful. Just, I guess our thought is that we would mutually agree. Take the time to do your own research. Look at the numbers and come to your own conclusions. I wouldn't jump on anything that you hear either in the news or otherwise without doing a little a little bit of research. And quick, quickly, I did want to bring up what I said earlier. When the numbers are presented to you and you hear X number of people have the virus. They've, they've had positive tests. My initial assumption on the number of positives was that that meant the number of people who had tested positive. This particular variable I think is incredibly important. It's not the number of people. It's the number of tests. And let me give you a scenario. If I was sick and I got, I went into the doctors and they tested me and I was COVID positive. I leave the office. Well, my employer may say, you need to have two negative tests before you come back to work for us. So throughout the next three weeks, I go in and I'm tested four more times before I get a negative test. That's a total of five positive tests, but it's just me. It's not five people. It's just me. All five of those positive tests go into the number that we're being told are positive cases. And to me, that it blows my mind. That blows my mind. How is that even remotely accurate? And how is it helpful? Or helpful. For us to understand what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And that's the issue that just one of many examples, look into the specifics of where these numbers come from. And you may be surprised, similar to hospital visitation. I go in with a broken arm. I'm not sick. I have no symptoms. I have no fever. I'm not coughing. I don't have shortness of breath. My arm's broke. That's why I'm there. And they take a look at my arm. They test me for COVID. And now, guess what? I've got a COVID test and I'm moving into the hospitalization portion of those numbers. But I'm not there at the hospital because I need to be treated for COVID. I'm at the hospital because I have a broken arm. Another variable that's outrageous when you think about the way the numbers are presented to us. That's not a true hospitalization, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how we control this. I don't know how you research that on your own. I'm all fired up. And you should that. be. Yeah. All right. Well, again, getting back to the mask. Before we bring Christy on, let's talk about some things that we've seen with respect to masks. Again, a second compliment on how you did with your mic over there. But um, let's talk about masks being worn wrong. What's your best story so far that you've seen where people have somehow configured a mask in a way that common sense would say 
it's doing no good. Well, I, I didn't see it in person. Okay. But I did see a picture of a guy who, who trimmed up his tidy whities Oh God. Used the elastic band around his forehead <laughs> and had the tidy whities you know, around the rest of his, it was absolutely hilarious and ingenious by the way. Is, I don't know is that like a, is, is that the Haynes version? It was, uh, might've been Fruit of Loom. Oh, <laughs> both are good. Both are good. Both are fantastic. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, what I've been seeing more than anything else is putting the mask on in such a way that it may do a great job of covering the mouth or the chin or the chin, Mm -hmm. but isn't covering the mouth and the nose. And we can talk to Christy to see my guess is I'm no medical expert, but that seems to defeat the purpose. And again, some of the rules that we have, I guess if you're dining with someone, you're more comfortable maybe so you can sit at the dining table and then remove the mask and have a conversation because you're with someone I guess you trust is not sick. Maybe. How do you know? But how do you know? Asymptomatic. Yeah. And I think that some of the rules, even when I was out in California, not long ago, you had to wear the mask into the restaurant. You had to wear the mask when you went to the restroom, you had to wear the mask out of the restaurant but you didn't have to wear the mask when you sat at the table. Side note, even better, there was a condiment tray that was being passed from table to table to table, which I kept thinking, that's the COVID tray right Right. there. If you want to be part of the COVID experience, just grab yourself a condiment that everybody else is touching. So again, kind of some crazy rules that don't make a hell of a lot of sense many times. And on top of that, we're at a position now with being mandated to wear a mask, which that brings us to the next topic. Are you seeing people Matt, wearing masks? I mean, what what's your take on just your time outside of work and home? What are you seeing? I, I am. Um, there, there's an occasion where somebody's not. I've seen some viral videos of people just being tormented at stores when they're not wearing them by everyone else yeah. there. I have not seen that, but I have seen you know people who who aren't wearing a mask from time to time. A, a super majority of the people are. But now, uh, you know, we've got a lot of national retailers that have come out with a, you know, a mass policy. So no right. matter what, you got to wear them. Target, Walmart, I think Walmart Pulse said Foods, starting next Kroger, week, right? CVS, Starbucks, yeah. Apple, tons of them. Now, some are already in place and some are going to be starting soon. But um, so at, at, as we move forward, I think you're going to see people have to wear them. And, uh, it, it's the smaller retail shops that it's really interesting, right? Um, yeah. Cause what they're going to require them. And, and as attorneys, we fully support a private business owner's decision. It's just like smoking before the smoking ban. If you wanted smoking in your restaurant, you had smoking. If you didn't, you, you could tell people you can't smoke. Right. It's It should be your right. It should be your choice as a business owner. So I have no issue with that personally. I, I think if a business owner says you need to wear a mask, I'll just shop somewhere else if I don't feel like wearing one. Well, but the, the, you, know, uh, you know, the back end of that is, so I walk up to the front door of the store. I don't have a mask with me, but I really need to get a gallon. Of I've done that like six times at least well, so but, far, but so I got to go now, back to the car and get the mask. Well, but you're seeing people getting really creative. And I think you may have seen this the other day. You oh, tie yeah, your t-shirt. Like, well, hold your t-shirt up over your nose. Here we go. I'm at UPS. Or, I need to order a package or send a package. And the best part is the guy can't you know, he can't communicate with the individual that's trying to take down the address. They can't hear him. He was foreign as it was. I think he was already having a bit of a difficulty in communicating, right. but then to stick a flannel shirt in front of his face, 
made that also more well, difficult. Or, or you're wearing, you know, a standard undershirt and you got that over your face. How, how effective is that? You right. Know, who knows? It's a single tiny layer of cotton. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it begs the question when they say masks are required, what does that mean? I, I don't know. And, and, and let me tell you from a view, we'll call it a view from the sticks. Okay. I live in the sticks. I live out in Mount Vernon, which is the sticks. Not the same situation as downtown. When I'm downtown, I see a lot of people wearing masks. I don't know the percentage. I'd give it 85%. In the sticks, out where I live, you go into Kroger, there's a big giant sign that says you have to have a mask on when you go into Kroger. I would bet it's less than 50%. I don't think this message has carried as far as maybe some of the officials think it has when you talk about small-town America. It's just not the focus of attention. I can promise you that. I've had numerous conversations with people out by where I live. This mask thing is nuts. And that, that's their opinion. It's nuts. I'm not wearing a mask. Call it political. Call it an invasion of your rights, your health care rights, whatever it is. These folks are very convinced that it does nothing. Or even if it does help, I don't think that in a small community, they feel that large presence of people to where they're worried about it. That's probably the main reason I would think there's just not that many people around. So it's not traveling, it seems, into the more suburban areas. It seems like it's more well, they're not, a rural areas, they're not I should walking say. into an office building with 150,000 other people. Right. You know, I mean, exactly. It's, it's a lot different. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of a side annoyance, we had to talk about the hearing issues associated with masks. Right. I've been doing music and now we have this podcast and I, I've abused my ears for years. I'm 41 years old. I don't hear as good as I used to. And I can guarantee you, even at 41, I'm struggling many times to communicate with people through a mask, despite whatever the inconvenience or uncomfortable nature of the mask is. It's very difficult to hear. I think that it's your mind. It, you can't see the lips move. I think even though we don't sure. have to read lips, it you know, helps. it absolutely helps. Well, add, add on top of that, that thin layer of plexiglass at most of the stores you're going to. Oh my God. It's a that, nightmare. That is Just a yesterday disaster. in the grocery store, the, the clerk had asked me a question. I had to ask, ask her to repeat herself three times because I just, it was so muffled through the mask and the plexiglass that, you know, I almost wanted to walk around it to talk to her. Right. Well, and then, I have to just throw this in. I went to Muni court earlier this week and the judge's bench is obviously set up higher than the courtroom as it is in any courtroom, but around the judge's bench was a plexiglass enclosure. And it reminded me the whole time I was there, I thought, where's the baseball to throw at the target so that if I hit the target, the judge just falls into the thing of water underneath water. I honestly thought that's what was going on. It looked that way. Judge, we apologize. He wasn't wishing for that. He was just imagining. That's right. And it was something that was an odd experience, to put it mildly, to be at court. But Coming up next. We've got Christy Page. And I, I'm excited to bring her on to get a medical perspective here. Because what are we, just lonely lawyers with no... A couple of laymen. A couple of laymen, a couple of just regular average Joes. We need some medical advice. Christy, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, there she is. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Drew. How are you out in Ohio there? Well, we're, we're batting down the hatches, ready for what I fear will be a second lockdown based on the governor's address last night. I can see it coming. Um, 
where I'm up here in Massachusetts and our governor has really taken it slow. Um, we're still not on full open and we've got some of the lowest numbers in the United States. Well, we're definitely living under a life of rules more than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And it's hard to keep track of all of them, especially since they seem to be different depending on the location. And it may be just from one municipality to the other. So it's been difficult in that regard. I'm sure it's the same there, but tell us about your background. Give us, give us your CV, if you will. And we'll just put a plug in, in the interest of not having a conflict of interest Christy works with our firm. She's actually our nurse that does our medical summaries here. When we have an injured patient, again, Matt and I being just layman, so to speak, we don't pretend to be doctors. So we have a professional review the records, go through, write us a well-worded summary that we can understand. And that individual is Christy. She does that for us here and she does great work. So tell us a little bit about your uh, practice, Christy, and your background. I'm a registered nurse. I've got my master's degree. I worked in the hospital bedside for about 30 years and then opened up my own business as a legal nurse consultant. So I do that full time now. And like you, working with attorneys, helping them understand the medical side of cases and doing uh, records reviews and summaries. Well, you have a lot of letters after your name. When I did the Facebook post earlier announcing the show today, it took me a while to get them all down. But a lot of letters, I think the more letters, the smarter you are. Right, Matt? Uh, accurate. Okay. Well, we brought you on today, as you know, to talk about mask. And I'm sure there's mask mandates there as, as there are here in Ohio. Not being from the medical field, we have some questions for you. Are you ready? to be on the SOL podcast and be drilled with medical questions today. Yes, I am. Bring All right. it on. All right. So here's one of the issues that we uh, have discussed prior to the show, and that is when I think of a mask or an environment for a mask, I think of a sterile environment because prior to this pandemic, we didn't see mask on the street. Occasionally you might have saw someone uh, at the airport or on a plane that had a mask on. And uh, frankly, at that point in time, it made me nervous because I thought, well, that person probably is sick or could be sick. When in reality, maybe they were just immune compromised. But regardless, you didn't see them often. And we thought of them as more, more of a hospital medical center type uh, instrument that you wouldn't see outside of that area. Along those same lines, talk to me about the environment that masks were, I would say, initially designed for and why is that environment so important to protect you from disease and illness? Well, I think, first of all, let me correct your thought process about masks a little bit in that in the healthcare, when we're, say, in the operating room, we wear the type of mask that you see as the regular hospital mask that people were initially wearing. Um, that's what we would wear in the operating room, the doctor, the nurses, all of the operating staff. So it's not a sterile mask per se. But is, is this when the disposable the floor, kind, similar to what we have hanging off our microphones? Yes. Is that what you're referring to? Yep. So it's okay. the mask with the elastic over the earpiece and kind of fans from your nose to your chin. Okay. 
and it's uh, disposable. It's typically, you know, one-time use or it's typically a one-time use, but it can be used for a length of time, typically not longer than a shift, which is eight hours. Um, and if you are moving from one patient room to a separate patient room, um, a lot of times we would change the mask at that time just for no cross-contamination um, type of a thing. So when we're up on the patient floors, if I'm going in to treat a patient who has um, community-acquired pneumonia, I'm wearing one of those disposable masks going in to protect myself from their hacking and coughing and respiratory droplets that might get airborne. All right. And then there's the other type of mask. Which... Yep. And that's called the N95 mask. That is a much more fitted on your face mask that you actually in the healthcare field, you get tested um, with a, you put the mask on and it's, it's sealed tight over your nose. It fits tightly around your um, cheeks and your chin. And you actually get a hood put over you with this mask on and they spray in um, like a saccharin spray. And then you're supposed to take these nice deep breaths and not be able to smell the saccharin because of a correct seal. So those N95 masks are made to be worn with people like with tuberculosis, with high respiratory infectious diseases that you do not want to get exposed to. Sounds like yeah, mask waterboarding to me. Well, it is. And yeah, when you have to wear one of those masks, it's tight on your face. It's more restrictive to your breathing, although you can breathe just fine, but it's restrictive because it's on your face. It's over your mouth and your nose. So it's not super comfortable to wear for a long length of time, but that's what you see the emergency room and the intensive care medical staff wearing now for hours at a time when they're treating COVID patients. Arguably, that is a much more effective mask, not that everyone has the financial means to go out and purchase those masks and wear them around, but the argument would be that's a much safer mask in terms of not catching the disease or both catching and giving um, both, but it's when you're in an extended period of close proximity to somebody that you know is positive. Okay. You want the maximum amount of protection. That's why they're wearing that level of a mask in the hospitals. But you don't need that type of a mask out in the community. The regular disposable masks do the job. I mean, I'm, I'm, you're talking to somebody who is a proponent of everybody should be wearing a mask right now. I do believe in that.
Right. So that's, that's the theory behind wearing the mask. And it was really frustrating for me personally to watch this unfold on the news because I didn't feel they were giving the appropriate or correct information in that when you wear a mask, you are primarily stopping all of your, your droplets when you speak, cheer, yell, get excited, whatever it is, you're kind of spewing out respiratory droplets. So the, the purpose of the mask is to shield you from spraying that out to the person you're speaking with or, you know, to, you know, a six foot or so radius. It also does provide some protection to the person wearing the mask against somebody else spewing their respiratory droplets at you. It's not a tight-fitting mask, so they can't say it's going to 100% protect you from the respiratory droplets from somebody else because it's loose-fitting around your cheeks and sometimes under your neck. depends if it's a homemade versus, you know, one of the hospital um, disposable-type masks. But it does offer protection for both parties. One question I had for you, and, and this is a tough one because – I don't think you'll necessarily have the answer. I'm just curious on your opinion. Early on in this pandemic, we were told by Dr. Fauci, who I would think is the best of the best as far as the infectious disease. I mean, given his position and his CV and well, I think a lot of it was learning about the COVID um, virus. You know, it was a brand new virus. They weren't sure how it was spread. You know, they thought initially it was more of a tactile, you know, because they were saying, don't use the bags at the grocery store, wipe all your surfaces down. They thought it was spread that way, but then they have since realized it is more primarily spread through the respiratory droplets. And they found that not only is it by respiratory droplets, but that even if you're six feet apart, they still recommend masks now because the droplets they are finding can, you know, kind of be spewed out, but then kind of also hang there unless you're in a wind or outside. But, you know, they can, you know, hang in the atmosphere for a length of time, thereby increasing the risk of somebody else becoming infected. I think it's just as they've learned more about the, the COVID, they've found that masks really do make a difference. Yeah, it sounds like it was more for this particular virus and probably every virus that's new. There's a learning time frame that we have to take into account and as far as the medical field and how long does it take them to really understand some of these things. And probably a lot of patients have to go through some some fairly bad symptoms to fully understand the impact of these different viruses. And, and just being totally new, even the symptoms people have are so wide and varied. It's hard to pinpoint, you know, the, all the specific symptoms of this because different people have different symptoms, it seems. It does. And one of the questions I had from you, when you started your nurse training, and obviously you've had a lot since you started your nurse training, is there a class, is there a part of that curriculum that involves wearing and using masks? I mean, it does tell you, they, they do go over wearing masks about, you know, 
when you are putting it on, when you're taking it off, disposing of it, you know, to minimize your contact with any potential germs. Um, but I mean, it's it's pretty basic. When you go into an area that requires masks, they do. They kind of rely on a little bit of common sense. You know, it's to cover the respiratory tract. Well, the respiratory tract involves the nose and the mouth. So, you know, they're made to go over your nose. A lot of the hospital disposable ones have a piece of metal that actually conforms over your nose, and then you're supposed to fan it down under your chin to hold it in place. I read something on Facebook that that little piece of metal is a 5G antenna that they've put into those masks. I saw that. That's got to be true, right? And it's going to track your location. It's tracking locations. Oh, yeah. Yes. Can listen in on your phone calls. We believe everything we read on the internet. <laughs> well, you answered my next question with your answer there. So arguably you would agree with me that it doesn't take a medical professional to understand how to wear a mask. Correct. Or yeah, I should it say wear it properly. Sense, really, and thinking about, yeah. Thinking about why you're wearing it. What are you covering? Yeah. Okay. What is your thought, if you had to pick one of the two, which would you pick between these two options and why? The cloth, my grandma made me this mask, or the ones that you buy on Amazon that are the disposables that we've been speaking of that we have here at the office. Which one do you think is better medically for protecting you and others? It's kind of hard to say because I personally like the disposable hospital type masks. They're, they're usually the blue masks, light right. blue and dark blue. Um, on there, I prefer those over the homemade. The problem with the homemade, although, you know, the homemade ones are, uh, you know, the evidence base shows they do a job of protecting you. It depends on the fabric. I've seen some made out of like thin, thin t-shirt type fabric. They might give you a little bit of protection, but it's much lower protection than if you made it out of a, like a sturdy cotton material that's, you know, tighter fibers and it's going to block droplets a little bit better. That makes sense. So you've got that variability of the homemade masks and then you've got the, the um, around the neck scarf that they kind of pull up and over their face. The and bandana, again, kind of the bandana look like you're going in yeah. for a bank robbery. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Those thin, stretchy material. If you can see sunshine through the material, it's not thick enough. So, I mean, if you have, if you have a well-made homemade mask, they are about as effective as the hospital mask. Um, you can wash them. They're reusable, a little bit less on the cost. Um, personally, just for comfort, I like the, the hospital, the lightweight hospital type ones that you can buy. That's great information. Yeah. And comfort's important. If you have to wear something you're not used to, I don't remember any time in my lifetime anyway, where it was a situation I had to wear a mask on my face or anything on my face that would be uncomfortable. And I happen to find them very uncomfortable, maybe because I'm not used to it. Maybe because I have sensitive skin. Shut up, Matt. I know something's coming from that, but let me ask you about, and this might fall more maybe in our realm, but there are a lot of arguments that with HIPAA and other medical protections that we have for individuals, my body, my choice, a lot of the folks out there and what we've been reading feel as if it's almost an invasion 
of their medical decisions, like we would make any type of medical decision. We don't want other people making those for us. We definitely don't want the government making those medical decisions for us. But do you give any credence to that argument that this is a medical choice for me? If I don't want to wear one, I'm not going to, and I have that right because it's my body and it's my choice. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, we all have been given free choice, whether we're in America or anywhere worldwide. Everybody's got free will. In the United States, you're right. I've I've heard on the news, you know, nobody's going to tell me what to do. If I want to wear a mask, I will. If I don't want to, I won't. And that's fine when it doesn't affect another person. If it's just yourself and you don't want to wear a mask and you're not by anybody else potentially infecting or making somebody else ill, then that's fine. Don't wear a mask. But for the greater cause of the public as a whole, I do think that the United States really across the board needs to have a mandate on masks. That's the only way we're going to get ahead of this until a vaccine comes. Because you're right, when it varies from town to town, state to state, and you don't know who's doing what, do I wear a mask, do I have to, do I not? You know, some of the governors are just afraid to pull up their big boy pants and take a stand. Like, this is for the better of the people and not based it on, am I going to get reelected because I'm pissing off some other people. Right. You need to do what's best for the good of all. The the good for the mass of people is let's get ahead of this virus, which requires wearing a mask and preventing the spread. Yeah, Matt made a good analogy the other day. Uh, You'd said something about free speech, Matt. You know, we have a First Amendment right to free speech. You know, you have the right to free speech. And uh, under our laws and our Constitution, that right can't be infringed by the government. It has nothing to do with general public, right? So the government can't infringe. So in other words, maybe they're saying the government couldn't mandate that you wear a mask. Either that or they're saying that if they do, uh, the individual choice is fine, like Christy said, except for when you're putting other people at risk. I mean, I have free speech, but if I go out and I see somebody I don't like and I make a threat to them. Yeah, I can say it. I guess it's free speech, but there's consequences for that speech. I've made a threat and now there's a a legal consequence for that. And maybe that's a different way of looking at it would be, I have the choice to make my own healthcare decisions, but that choice becomes almost not a choice anymore when it's going to affect somebody else negatively. Very similar to smoking. Right. The government, the state of Ohio said you can smoke, just not indoors where there are other people in these types of establishments. Yeah, that's what they did. They said, you're, you know, your choice is affecting other people. Sorry about that. No problem. I was going to ask you, do you think that pets should wear a mask from a medical standpoint? Do you think <laughs> you should have a mask on your dog? Well, you know, early on, they were talking about cat to human or dog to human transmission of this. Jeez. I haven't heard anything about that in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, it was a joke, but it's absolutely something that I'm sure... They have to consider it's not like we don't love our fuzzy friends. So uh, we don't want them bringing anything back from their trip out to potty time. I have a question.
question for you because um, this is more in your legal arena. Uh -oh. But um, another attorney I was speaking with said that he thought there was a statute in our Constitution saying that the president did have the right to limit personal freedom, i.e. mandating masks, in the event of a like a pandemic type situation. I don't know on the federal level about that, but I know on the local level, there's a statute in Ohio that gave the governor the authority to do what he did during the shutdown and that was actually a, a, a law, but I think it was, what was it, limited to 14 days, Matt? I don't think it was yeah. supposed to go beyond 14 days. Uh, that Anything beyond that, I think, needed the approval or should have had the approval of Congress. It didn't, but it should have. And that's one of the big issues. There's been three different cases now in Ohio, three different counties, where the judges have struck down the order saying that they don't have the constitutional authority to do it. They don't have the legal authority to do it. They did have the authority for 14 days. That first 14 days is giving governors the time to process what's going on and figure out a solution. And that solution may have, I think, probably was supposed to come from Congress at that point. That's not what happened here, but that's that's yeah. the direction they went. Because, for example, the gyms sued the state for the whole shutdown order. And the judge that heard the gyms case definitely took the side of you have 14 days, but beyond that, you have nothing else. These orders can't stand. So there may be a federal statute that's similar to that. I'm assuming that it has a limitation and some form of a time period associated with it to keep it from overreaching. But I don't know federally. I just, I can definitely tell you in Ohio, there is one. Okay. I just was interested when I heard that. And I, you know, it's, it's hard to watch everybody shut down and losing, you know, financially and everything that comes along with that. And I, I do think though, if, if Americans, you know, world, you know, United States wide were to wear a mask, keep washing their hands, do the distancing and would do that consistently, I think we would be able to open up. But unfortunately, as the news has shown us, in some states, when you open up, people all of a sudden think, oh, it's summertime, I'm just going out, and they forget all of that. And you have mass congregating of people, no masks, and then you see the numbers spike. So it's a real conundrum in that you want to let people out and about, live your life, go back to work you know, get, be happy, go back to the way it was with a mask. But you, we've already just seen, you know, a lot of people either refuse to do it, won't do it. And we just keep spiraling back into this cycle of, you know, a lot of positives, the deaths increase, infection rate goes up while we're waiting for a vaccine to be developed. There's definitely a, a political price to be paid if, you know, any major political party or, or individual decides they want to impose some kind of nationwide requirement. But I mean, there's there's um, there's case law that goes all the way back to 1905 uh, that talks about, you know, uh, th this was really a, a smallpox case and someone didn't want to be vaccinated. Essentially, Supreme Court said the Constitution didn't import an absolute right in each person to be at all times and in all circumstances wholly free from restraint. 
that the community has a right to protect itself against an epidemic. Um, I think one of the reasons, and I don't want to get too deep into this, it's political in nature, but I, I do think a lot of people lost confidence in the concept of some of these rules when the protests were going on. We're, we're big fans of, of your right to protest here, but I think one of the issues was, you know, a lot of these protests were overlooked, or at least it was almost as if the coronavirus had magically disappeared during that time. And I think that now people are being told. Yeah, it definitely, it, it, it came at a time when there was so much going on. And I know when I watched the protests, some of the people had masks on, many of them did not. And I think you're right. How do you enforce it with that great of a mass of people, you know, to wear your masks? Um, Right. It didn't mean that they weren't important and you didn't need them. Yeah, it definitely it it came at a time when there was so much going on. And I know when I watched the protests, some of the people had masks on. Many of them did not. And I think you're right. How do you enforce it with that great of a mass of people, you know, to wear your masks? Um, It didn't mean that they weren't important and you didn't need them. But you're right. I am not the mask police. I am not going to enforce any mask wearing. I'm sorry. I can't get enough of that. Now, let me ask you a couple more questions and These will be short and brief because we've got to wrap this up, but I do want to give you a couple questions that you can pass along to the audience here. Number one, your opinion, do masks work? Yes, I do think they work in stopping the respiratory droplet sprays and stopping the communication of the virus. Yes. Excellent. Question two, do they work if worn incorrectly? Excellent. Question two. Do they work if worn incorrectly? Uh, no. <laughs> I guess it depends no, on how part, incorrectly. Part of it with, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'm trying to think, okay, if they're hanging under your chin, absolutely not. They do no good. Just don't even bother wearing it. If it's under your nose but covering your mouth, um, I suppose you are stopping the spray of droplets out of your mouth and unless you're blowing your nose all over everybody without a tissue it's 50 percent effective but really to to do it right and to to, if you got to wear it just wear it right and do it right and put it over your nose and your mouth it also reminds me to not lick people's faces because when i used to do that all the time before covid now i can't because i just lick the mask you know (laughs) To that, yep. to that extent, Uh-oh. there's a great commercial for one of the national pizza chains, and it talks about how from the time that your pizza's made till it's delivered to you, nobody else touches the pizza or nothing else happens to your pizza, which makes me think, what was happening to my pizza before? Yeah, that is a good question. Yeah. What was uh, Spencer back there, the pizza what? cook, doing to my pizza? I want to know what's happening. All right, go on to your yeah, next question. No worries. Yeah. One, one more question, and then we're going to let you off here. Do you think if half the people do it and the other half don't do it, it's going to make any difference at all? It might make a small amount of difference, but honestly, unless everybody's doing it, we're going to continue in this spiral of spikes. They don't know if COVID is a one-time thing you get or if it's like the common cold and you can get it repeatedly. So 
if half the people are out there spreading it and half the people are wearing masks, we're going to continue the cycle that we're in right now. Well, you heard it here first. I think that's an excellent answer. So as uh, Governor DeWine put it to us last night, it's in our hands to some extent, and we can do and take certain precautions. But we want to thank you for coming on the SOL podcast, Christy. Thanks so much for your time today. It's great advice. Thank you for inviting me, Drew and Matt. It was wonderful to talk with you guys. Yeah, it's good to get some uh, expert advice instead of us just sitting around and making up our own our own narrative, so to speak. Not unlike what we do every other day. Yeah, there's a lot of complaining. I can tell you that, especially from Matt. All he does is whine every day. There's some new some new whining story he's got for me when he comes in. But uh, thanks for setting the record straight, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, have a good one. Well, that was very informative. Yes, it was. Very helpful. Yes, it was. I learned a lot because I had some some perceptions going into this today that may have been shifted a Dispelled. bit. Yeah, at least to some extent, for so, sure. So toward toward one of your, I think it was your last question for Christy about how many people need to wear this to make an impact. And um, I was reading up, you know, they, they talk about Johns Hopkins website to sort of track coronavirus numbers. It's been up to date. It's been one of the top rated websites. And through that and some other searches, I, the thing I keep seeing again and again is that they need at least 80% of the people out there to be doing this. I was going to say, I think that the sad part of this story is let's be realistic. We're never going to get to 50%. Like I hate to say it, but from my just general view of the people that are walking around the state of Ohio, if we're at 50, I'd be shocked. And this is just one state. Well, well the, I yeah. think the big thing right now though, is, is with all these stores, um, instituting their own mandatory mask wearing. So you want, where, where are you going to run into the most people grocery shopping right now? Right. Maybe a big retailer. If you're going retail shopping, which is I, I was going to say that the only problem with that is nobody's really doing, I I've tried to get a pair of jeans that fit for the last two months and I can't find anything because number one, you can't use the changing rooms. It's kind of hard right. to go in and try clothes on, bring a towel and do a deck change. You know what? It's, it's getting, what if you go in the middle of the circular clothes, you know what I'm talking about, where the rack is. Yeah, you could go on the inside and change in there. Nobody would know. That, that may work. But it is true that, that we're not having that interaction that we had before, which is probably to some extent you can have your mask policy all you want, but there's just not that many people going to the store. It's not it's supposed to be entertaining, and I don't think people find a lot of entertainment in either bars, restaurants, retail stores. Now, the, the have-tos, like you're talking about, like the – Kroger's and the Walmarts and the Lowe's again, they have a, a sign up the one where I'm at out in the sticks and it says wear a mask. But if you got 50% in there, but you're not, lucky. They're not enforcing it. Yeah. yeah. And how do they enforce it? What are they like have their employee run up and then you've got the Costco situation that we saw on, on social media. And it's just a really tough thing. And I, the fear I have is it's just not realistic to assume that a hundred percent, 70%, 50% of the population is going to agree to wear a mask. I just can't see that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I just don't believe that's how it's going to go. I, I think, unfortunately, people are going to have to see the proof. You know, they're going to have to see their own community suffer before they really take it serious, get on board. Yeah. Well, and that gets back to what we talked about earlier. Like, there's no confidence in this because of some of the other things that have happened prior to today's date between being told the masks don't work and then 
you know, when the protests were going on in these large gatherings and no, nothing was really being said by the mainstream media about the problems associated with that as far as the COVID spread. So people just say, I'm calling BS. Look, I think, um, I think there's a way for the federal government to do this and do it right. And that is just send a full body condom to every person in the United States. Yes. That's the only way you're allowed outside of your home. I think that that would definitely get you a lot of stares, but if everybody had one, it would all be the same. You, you know, you wouldn't be in the Everyone minority. Gets one. That's right. I like your thought. I like your thought and I like your style. <laughs> all right. We're moving into season three. Uh, we just wanted to bring this up today because we were, we were a little bit worked up about it. We still don't really know what's going to happen with the rest of the week with the governor, the speech last night. I've read it probably a hundred times was what has been categorized as underwhelming. I think that's an accurate way of, um, describing it and unfortunately we may become overwhelming in the future if things continue to go down the road we're we're going down now i will see you sir in season three you can find us on iheart uh, you can find us on spotify itunes google podcast it's out there you can't miss us buzzsprout i don't know we're running out there's so many different platforms these days but it's good to be on all of them please subscribe give us your feedback you know, if you like us, great. You think we suck? That's fine too. We're not. We're not judging anybody. You don't have to listen. Turn it off. If you don't like it. But otherwise, uh, Matt, I look forward to season three. I think we've got a a year later. We finally got a just a heck of a setup here, and I'm I'm happy about it to say the least. Stay safe out there, everybody. Yeah, everybody, be smart. Just just make the right decisions. Don't be an idiot. And uh, we love our we love our audience. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to SOL. Join us next time on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and iTunes. For additional information or questions related to your legal matter, contact the Baker Law Group at 614-228-1882. That's 614-228-1882. Be safe, know your rights, and follow the law. This podcast is adjourned.